Hello, everyone, and inside today's episode of Locked on Canadians, the Habs try and still lose. Time to stop panicking about Arbor Jacki, and I have an all-decade team draft and more inside today's show. You are Locked on Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 969 of Locked on Canadians. We are, of course, your daily Montreal Canadiens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, wherever you get your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching on YouTube.com there as well. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matland. As always, I'm joined by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, the Canadians played the Kings on Thursday night, and it went better for most of the game uh, than their trip to California with the same result at the end there. Uh, So my question here is, are we happy with moral victories in this part of the season, or do we kind of still want to see more results from a team that we're hoping stabilizes somewhere in the next couple weeks or so? As long as we want a high draft pick, I think we're okay with the moral victories where I, that's where I stand. Yes, you want to see them win games. You want to see them take that step forward. But honestly, what I saw tonight wasn't that bad. And with a caveat that I did fall asleep for 10 minutes during the game. <laughs> like, literally, like, so asleep that, like, the people I live with had to shake me uh, to wake me up. But I did see a lot of improvement. Uh, and I felt a little bit sad for the Canadians that they didn't win. But at the end of the day, like, you want to see them just play better. Like, that's all you want. Like, if they won 82 games, but they didn't learn anything from it, I don't think that it would be worth it. Like, at this stage in the rebuild, they need to be learning those lessons. They need to be improving their team identity, their their cohesiveness, their play as a whole. Uh, so, I'm happy with this. I would like wins. I do like wins. I don't like when the Habs get shut out and, you know, fan bases that don't watch the game make fun of them. But I, I'm okay with it. So the thing is, the Canadians have been shut out twice this year by one team. They've been shut out by L.A. That's it. Uh, the first time these two teams played a couple of weeks ago, L.A. just ran over them from the starting whistle. It was never close. It was terrible. Everyone wasted their weekend watching that game. Tonight, through two periods, the Canadians were right there with them. In that, yeah, the scoreline was, you know, a little lopsided in that through some poor bounces and whatnot. And then in the third period, it just fell off. I'm looking at the expected goals chart, you know, the possession charts and everything on natural stat trick. And it's a kind of game where I went, wow, this is starting really well. They started strong. They looked really good. That top line with Uri Slavkovsky, with Cole Caulfield and the Nick Suzuki looked really good, really formidable. And then when they couldn't get a bounce, eventually everything just kind of compacted in itself here. And it's a game that it's like, I loved what I saw until I didn't anymore. The third period started, and this was a team that was that looked like the previous L.A. game. 
And that's kind of where I'm like, if they kept that whole effort for 60 minutes and got a goal or two maybe, but still lost, I am all about it. But it's a frustrating game because kind of left the goalie out to dry in the third period. Penalty killing still a problem. Just the goals that went in were annoying for a number of different reasons. You had Justin Barron getting tripped up by the official, turns into a breakaway goal. Drew Doughty's first goal is because the blue line is disorganized. And I want them to be better than they are right now. It And I think that's the most frustrating thing is because we saw them do this against Seattle, where they got lucky that Seattle is not LA, where they played well, got goals, and then were able to hang on. I just want to see a full 60-minute effort in this. Even when they gave up goals in the first two periods in this game, they came back strong on the next shifts until the third period where it all just kind of house of cards fell apart on itself here. I just want a full effort. I'm trying to think of the last time this season we got a full 60-minute game from the Canadians, and I think it's it's been a while at this point, I'm pretty sure. Just, I... Can you, when is the last honestly, time? Honestly, I don't remember. I, I swear to you, I don't remember. I feel like it would have been against the Bruins, but that was quite some time ago. Um, I will say a couple of things while you're looking this up. <laughs> I, like, for you know, you said this is two games in a row that this happens. It's just that LA is just so much better than Seattle. I think there's two things to it is that if this team is better, is more talented and more of their players are in the lineup, they they won't get tired after two periods. They'll be able to keep like roll consistent lines and pairings and they'll be able to keep their energy up, right? Like as a whole, like if a team was more talented, better equipped, well-stocked, like it sounds terrible to say well-stocked, but you know what I mean, right? If they're not missing their key players due to injury or some key players due to injury, this doesn't happen because the minutes are spread out more consistently, more evenly, uh, more, I would say, des- like more according to who deserves it and things like that, as opposed to, you know, I need a body on the ice at this time. Um, and also, I think the, the longer time goes on, you see that the coach adjustments will be a little bit more proactive before you get to the point where you're the th- when you're in the third period and things are falling apart, right? Like this, again, it's due to the inexperience of the coach a little bit. Like he can preempt this more um, as he gets more experienced, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I'm looking through everything. The Kraken game wasn't as bad as I thought, but they definitely wilted a little bit. The last like full complete game looks like it was the win over the Blue Jackets. And even then, that was a little bit touch and go. Across the board, it's... I don't know if it's a depth thing, if it's an inexperienced thing or what, but they haven't had a game where they've been truly the better team all the way around since the start of the year for a full 60 minutes. And losing games still important. Yeah, getting that high draft pick is still an important part of this, but it feels like we're lack- we're missing some of that next step forward from this team right now. We had it for a minute, and obviously, yes, you know, they don't have Kirby Doc right now. Yes, Alex Newhook is out. The defense is still kind of working itself out. But we're, what, almost 30 games into the season at this point, 27 games into the season, whatever it is at this point, and we still don't have an answer for what 
you know, they can do to balance us out here. It feels like they're in one game, they're close to discovering it. And here's the thing about tonight is, and I can concede this point is the Canadians played well. It's just that LA is a better team, a team that should win this game. Their center depth for God's sakes is like Kopitar, Deneau, and then uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, their third line center. The Canadians can't match that. They probably couldn't match that when they were healthy at the beginning of the season here. So yes, they the better team won tonight's game. This is not saying, oh, the Canadians were hard done. It's just one of those things that it's like you want some little payoff for the process in here because I don't want them to deviate from what they were doing at the start of this game. They were forechecking, they're cycling, they're getting chances, but they're not quite there yet. And I'm afraid that they're going to deviate away from that because I believe the Sabres game is Sunday and then Saturday. And then they have Uh, the Preds. Oh, fun. Um, If I could type in the right thing here. Uh, Yeah. And then Penguins on Wednesday, then the Islanders on Saturday, and then the Jets that following Monday. What a messy little schedule. That's a stretch of very win. And then they have the wild on the 21st of December. Those six games, those are winnable games in there. And we're going to see what they learn from this game against the Kings. The Sabres are on and off. They beat the Bruins tonight, but they've been inconsistent. The Predators also a little inconsistent might be a little bit of a test. The Habs have always kind of struggled with those games. The Penguins are whatever it is. And I don't want to be the penguins get right game. I don't want to be the game where they figure it out. The Islanders are in free fall. Uh, the lane, just Google why lane Lambert is trending on X every night. Oh, uh, no. The jets. I want to win that game because I want to make the coward Mark Shifley sad. And then the wild are not where they thought they'd be. They already fired their coach this year, six games heading into the holidays. If they can put together at least four solid efforts in there and get four wins out of that, which I think is entirely possible. I'm going to feel a lot better going into the, into the new year with this team here, but we'll talk about more of that as we get closer and closer. Uh, We do have some other stuff. Part of the uh, Laura had the episode on Wednesday while I was out of town and in on Wednesday night, Arbor Jack, I played his first game for the Laval rocket and everyone is up in arms and panicking. And I'm here to tell you to stop doing that. And that is all coming up in our next segment. But first, passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and is also what keeps your ride-or-die vehicle alive every single day. And eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, from superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, right down to the mats you put in your car. And whether you're into speed, power style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, you're not burning cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die vehicle alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit available only to customers in the United States. We are back here at Locked on Canadians. And because recapping a frustrating loss to the LA Kings wasn't enough, uh, we have prospect panic because we are the Montreal Canadiens and that is uh what we do uh scott yes scott yes is this is this the habs fan base collapsing upon itself again 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I know that like the team motto is, you know, be yours to hold it high, but it should be everyone chill the hell out for like five minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to say that in French, so I'm not going to. And I think it's too big (laughs) to put in the collar or the jersey. I Uh, think I would say on se calme. Sure, I will go with that. Um, <laughs> I know I I only know how to ask where the bathroom is and how to order a poutine. Uh, but the the important survival tips. But the thing is, the Lavelle Rocket played the Belleville Senators on Wednesday night. The Lavelle Rocket played badly on Wednesday night. They lost five two. This was not a game that was close at any point in time. And it's just every- extra frustrating when it's against the Sens farms team farm team to be honest and I feel like I'm going to attribute at least 32% of that panic to the fact that it was Belleville. Here's the thing about this too is that I look at this game and all anyone wants to talk about is oh well Arbor Jack I didn't get points he didn't fight anybody he turned down fights in this game like I watched him skate away from scrums and everything which is good he shouldn't be fighting AHL goons that the senators put on their top line. And that's what they did. They put Boko Alama on their top line. He is there to do one thing. It's to take penalties and fight people. And I watch people who, and this is a direct call out to the MSM, whether they listen to the show or not, I don't really care at this point. I didn't recognize this player in this game. That's because you don't watch this team at any point in time. You could have asked anybody like, you know, a guy who watches 65 plus games of the Lavelle rocket every year. Like I do. Hey, is this always what the team looks like? Is Arbor Jack guy going to fix this? Is he going to fit in here? Instead it's, I didn't recognize this player on the ice. It's because the team is currently not playing very well. They're after last night, they had lost eight straight games. They are injured and missing some of their top defensemen who are up with the Canadians right now. They cannot get a goal to save their life. And they are a young team that hasn't put it together. And you're looking at this and going, well, I didn't recognize Jack Eye on the ice. He's not the type of player who's going to come in and go, ah, well, everything's fixed with the rocket. This is not like when Kotkaniemi went down and they started scoring a ton of goals or when Caulfield played for them and put up a ton of points. This is a guy who is trying to get his defensive game back together and work on the little things that he was deficient in as he was asked to do. He's recovering from an injury. He is recovering from an injury. This is the thing that is getting me about all of this, like, sky is falling stuff about Arbor Jackai. Arbor Jackai is going to be fine. He's been out, what, a month at this point? Like, it's... He hasn't played a game in over a month. This is his first game in a new league with new teammates on a team in a seven-game losing streak, playing some of the worst hockey I've ever seen this franchise play. A league he never had to play in. Which is a miracle in and of itself as an undrafted free agent. And everyone's going, oh, no, he's broken. Oh, they're going to trade him. One game. And I I don't know how to tell people without trying to sound condescending because I, I understand that people want Arbor Jacka to succeed. Because he's a great story and he's fun and we love him on this podcast. But he got sent down and everyone bought into all the rumors that are going around Twitter that, oh, they're going to move him. Oh, they're unhappy with him. Oh, this. One game because he was out for a month. While I agree, he should probably be up in the NHL right now. He could play over Lindstrom very easily at this point. I wouldn't mind if he played over Justin Barron at this point. The panic is so overdone 
that, you know, I look at, you know, everyone who it's a lot quieter around Slavkovsky now that he's playing well in the top line, which is amazing. I know. And all I can think is they're going to do this with Lane Hudson next year too. And they're going to do this with Reinbacher and they're going to do this with Engstrom and it's going to keep happening. Everyone take a deep breath, one game. And like I said, I would expect that Jack, I will be up to the Canadians by the end of this weekend. Cause the rocket play Friday and Saturday. Uh, it's Teddy Bear Toss on Saturday night, the 9th, I believe. And then after that game, I would not be shocked to see Jack Eye in the lineup on Sunday in the NHL. Let him play his three games, get his legs under him, get his conditioning back, and then go back to the lineup on Sunday. I just want everyone to breathe because we can't keep doing this. It, it's It's exhausting to watch because I get that people are – you know, they're worried about this. They're worried about prospects. And that passion, actual passion, not the passion, is great. But y'all are going to put yourselves in an early grave if you stress about everything this much. Like, am it I am I losing deep. my mind? You're not losing your mind. It is not that deep, Scott. And we always say that on the show. And I think, I think because the Canadians have been so inconsistent as of late, I think everybody's just hoping that Arbor Jack is going to come back into the lineup and just make everything look rosier. Uh, but this team was always going to be inconsistent. In fact, I'm surprised that it's not consistently bad. Um, and and so I feel like that's it, is that like they're looking at this hope and they're also expecting, because Arbor Jack, I made the NHL right out of rookie ca- um Sorry. Um, oh, my God. Pros- uh, the... It was training it was regular camp. training camp the word in the COVID is year. Training camp. I am so sorry. The word is training camp. I've forgotten how to talk. I'm so uh, I'm speaking so quickly. But yeah, because he made the NHL right out of training camp, I think people just also naturally expect him to look like miles better than everybody on that AHL lineup. But like you said, Scott, like the Belleville Senators didn't show up there just to win games. They wanted to break faces, and. Arbor Jackai does not want his face broken. It, is, it turned, does not suit him in any way to fight somebody on the on the freaking Belleville Senators in the middle of December or early December in the middle of the week in a game that the Laval Rocket are losing. That is not going to get him back to the NHL. So there is no point in him like engaging in things like that. And he's still like, just think of this as a conditioning stint. Sorry, Scott, I interrupted you. You were about to say No, something. because the part of it is that makes sense. Is like he turned down fights. Be like, they wanted him to fight. That's their thing. And it's like, he's showing the composure that we want to see more of at the NHL level. And I, I can't stress this part enough. I love watching him ragdoll people. There's so much more to his game that is not, I am here to fight people. And I really want people to stop wanting him to be, you know, just an enforcer on this team. There's a talented player there who just happens to be really good at fighting people. And, and he's you, good at also picking those fights normally. Like, usually he picks them in the right spots, and he usually picks the right people to fight with when it makes sense. And that's the thing is people are like, oh, are the Canadians, you know, missing some toughness? And I'm like, yeah, maybe, sure, a little bit. But I don't want him to have to fight every game because it's not good for his long-term prospects. And there's more to Arbor Jack Eye than I am a tough guy. You can be a tough guy and a great guy who plays – you know, 15, 20 minutes a night. And I want him to reach that potential. We know we can shoot the puck. We know we can skate well. We know we can play the body. Panicking over one game isn't healthy. If he comes back up to the NHL and looks behind it, then maybe we talk about what can go on with this. But for right now, 
I can't, I'm, I'm not going to do the panic. and I'm not going to feed into the panic on that. I'll judge him when I have a larger sample size to pull through in that. So uh, like I said, the Rocket have two more games this weekend. The Canadians obviously have a busy uh, end of, uh, or going into Christmas time uh, schedule games. We'll see him back in the NHL before too long, especially if he's doing all the things they're asking for. But it is Friday. And we will probably save some mailbag questions depending on how many we get to. But that means the Friday mailbag is coming up here. And I have a, a draft of my own to do. And that's all coming up next. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. It is Friday. Well, Thursday when we're recording this. Friday when the show goes out. Laura, we got a question while I was out of town. Did we not about a certain all-decade team? Yes, but first, I forgot, Scott, if we did that this was episode nine, 969 and I just missed it. I didn't feel like nicing it because I was annoyed with the Canadians tonight and just the panicking. <laughs> and I'm uh, like, I, I literally just tweet, I'm like, I might just become an anti stance grifter just to make some more money on the side. That's that's where we're at tonight. So my <laughs> nice was a little bit reserved internally, it's there, but on the outside, I'm like, I, I, this team doesn't deserve to be niced tonight. I'm not in the mood for that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so yes, this was actually the last time you were away. And then I brought it up again to give everybody an update. And it is Charles W. I don't know if like, you know, if you guys are leaving mailbag questions, let us know if it's okay for us to say your last names. I usually use the last initial. But so Charles W. on Twitter a couple weeks ago, uh, sent a message and you were not there for that mailbag. And I promised that I was going to ask you your opinion on the show whenever you were back. And then last mailbag, we had Jerome Berube on. Uh, and that was a fantastic episode, so please check it out. Uh, and I like we did not talk about this. So the question was, um, make a Habs lineup, uh, including one sub from any of the decades, but it has to be it has to start in the 1970s, then 80, 90, uh, 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 the 2000s, uh, at the 2010s, and I guess the first three years of this uh, this decade. So Scott. I gave you a chance to think about it first before I asked. I didn't put you on the spot on the show. And what have you come up with? So uh, six spots, obviously, goaltender, three forwards, two defensemen. You know, your standard alignment in this. Were we allowed any extra, like, substitute players on the yes, side or not? Yes, one sub from any decade. One sub from any decade. Okay. Yeah. So if so, you have to leave someone off from like the seventies, now you, now's your chance to put them back, right? I was going to say that was the hard part was I have three people I put on my, or there's four people on my sub list and there could have been a, a bajillion of them because the seventies were loaded with star Canadians players, as we've talked about on this podcast. Uh, the biggest one that stuck out for me and one that I couldn't possibly ever ignore uh, from the 1970s, I picked Larry Robinson as my starting defenseman. And I know Guy Lafleur, and I know Ken Dryden, and I know Doug Harvey, et cetera. But it's like, it Larry Robinson might be my favorite Canadians player of all time. Like I couldn't possibly ignore putting him in there, uh, because as we went on, the defensemen got less and less great. Still, some good <laughs> ones in there, but they got a little bit less. From the 1980s, I picked Matt Snazland, one of I think one of the most underrated Canadians of all time, because his time with the team was, was very short. small but he is one of the best of all time uh, from the nineties. I picked a defenseman again. I went with Dennis Savard, which was a very short window because the nineties were very lean for Canadians defensemen. And there also wasn't a forward that I thought would fit better in there. Uh, in the two thousands, the, the, the most obvious choice and the team captain of this team 
would be Saku Koivu. Koivu didn't put up gaudy numbers, but he played in arguably one of the worst eras of Montreal Canadiens hockey as a heart and soul of that team with not so great line mates. And he was still there the longest tenured captain in team history. Uh, I couldn't possibly not put him on there for the 2010s. I picked a goalie and I think everyone knows exactly who it is. Is it Yaroslav Halak? It's Peter Budai, but (laughs) it's Carey. Like there was no other choice for the 2010s. Carey Price was incredible in this time. And yes, I know Ken Dryden and Patrick Waugh had higher peaks, but in the 2010s, this was Carey Price's team. And it was up until 2021 when, you know, he's now LTIR retired here, but Carey Price was the obvious choice. And for the 2020s, the three years that we were in, uh, I flipped a coin between Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and ended up with Nick Suzuki on this. Like, uh, for the like I said in the extras, I have Guy Lafleur. There's Steve Shutt. There's Max Pacioretty. There's Andre Markov. There's Ken Dryden. There's Patrick Waugh. You could have made a second team of players that would be just as good as the first one. It like it's such an insane amount of depth that even if you go back into the '60s, which I mean gives you an extra ear of things, you have Richard. You have you know Jean Beliveau. You have some of those other players there. It's a wild thing to look at that whenever people do all-time teams, the Canadians B team would probably beat most teams A teams. Uh, this was a fascinating question that I think most people would be like, yeah, that's right. But also you could have done this and still been right and done this and still been right. Just an insanely stacked franchise, like truly. And we want to know your all-decade teams too. You can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com, like I know there's going to be so many iterations of this, depending on which generation of fan is listening to this podcast. So I I cannot wait to see what other people come up with with this. I also really like that it starts in the 70s. It doesn't go back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, because it gives you an era where the Canadians were amazing. And then when they were good, like in the 80s, they were still good. And then, you know, the lean years... And then the rebuilding, whatever we are in now, um, whatever it is we're doing. Uh, so I really liked this question. And actually, Scott, we only have time for one more mailbag question. So I'm going to ask. Uh, this is from YouTube and it is from Keith. Uh, and it's a Buffalo question. Mailbag or just a question for Scott and Buffalo? I'm traveling from Ithaca for the Habs game at Buffalo on Saturday and would love to have your thoughts of a bar or restaurant to visit for beer and wings within non-driving distance of the arena. I've been to the Anchor Bar years ago and was not sufficiently impressed given the random non-central location. Now, Scott, I have heard you mention the Anchor Bar before. I've heard you whisper that they don't actually have the best wings. So please elaborate. So... Non-driving distance is hard because in that area, it's it's a little lean for things. Uh, Pearl Street's there, depending on if that's what you want to do. But to get the actual best wings in Buffalo, you have to travel to you have to travel outside the city to the suburbs a little bit. Uh, you go to Barbell, you go to Barbell North uh, in Williamsville, or the original Barbell Tavern in East Aurora. Uh, best wings in Buffalo. And I don't think it's particularly close Uh, inside the city proper in Allentown, actually not that far from where my apartment is. 
is Gabriel's Gate. If you dig the dive bar kind of thing there, it's dive bar, but not, you know, cash only dive bar. It's a little bit upscale on there. Uh, the wings have always been good every time I've went there. You'll wait a little bit there because they were always busy because of that. But uh, around the re- arena, it's uh, it's a little bit lean for offerings in there. But just down the road is uh, Swanee House, cash only, one of the original dive bars. You can get a fried bologna sandwich, get a blue light, enjoy your time there. Or next to that is Ballyhoo. They do all artisan sausages and have cocktails great bartending staff great draft list right there um around the corner from the arena is the southern tier brewery as well that's attached uh if you're going into the city a little bit i always recommend mr good bar great craft beer selection good people there beer keep is just down the road as well and on that stretch you have taste of saigon you have cluck cluck moo moo for burgers a little bit of everything on that they do chicken sandwiches and smash burgers I cluck love cluck it. moo moo. I love it. Um, it's a there's a lot on Elmwood and parts of Delaware too. But if you're looking around the arena and you're looking for a pregame cocktail and something good to eat, I highly recommend Ballyhoo, which is just right around the corner there. So, uh, and then Hofbrau House is just down the road as well. If you want German beer, German food, stay warm, uh, enjoy the holiday market on the weekends. I can't recommend that enough as well. Well, I think that's it. We're out of time. So any mailback say, questions not asked, we'll do the next week. I would say Laura has the episode on uh, Sunday because I will be out of town for a family uh, affair uh, event. I'll affair. do the recap of both weekend games on that Sunday night episode. And if we have time, I'll do mailback questions. If not, I'll wait for you, Scott. Yes. And then when I'm back for the Monday night recording, we will do three up and three down. We promise we won't be too late on that unless anything absolutely bonkers happens. Um if anything happens this weekend, we will try to get out an emergency episode if we need to. Uh, but obviously time is limited. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians, Canadians at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to check out everything on YouTube, you can also check out Lockdown Sports today, 24-7 stream with all of our local experts and our national shows on YouTube including us, including all the other hockey folks. You will see us in there, the first 24-7 stream of its kind. You can find us on YouTube. Find everyone else from Lockdown NHL Network on there. You can follow us on Twitter at The Active Stick, at Scott Matla. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.